Hey, friend. What's up? Oh, um, not the buddy. Uh, what's up, buddy? Uh, nothing much. You know, I think we're both coming back off vacation, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I had two weeks. I mean, it's Friday now, so I've had a whole week of work. But um, yeah, I was coming back from vacation. You came back like yesterday. I came back two days ago. It always it already feels like three weeks ago, but it's <laughs> it's only been forty eight hours. Uh, it was very nice to see the western edge of the country, uh, yeah. Vancouver Island. I don't think you can go more west than that. No. Uh, had a coffee with uh, the man himself, uh, Patrick Vellner. So that that was good to see him. It, it's so funny how. I mean, last time I saw him, we had dinner, the three of us, with oh, yeah. Pat's wife at uh, Post Waterpalooza, so on the Sunday night. Yeah. And it, it's already been a year and a half, and I feel like it's been a week. Well, I mean, like, it's a huge change. Like, we haven't seen him forever, and now you saw him with a baby. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this baby appeared from nowhere, but I mean, even though this pandemic felt like I don't know, 28 years, it feels like, I don't know, I saw Pat like last week and it, it's, it's crazy how our brain channels time yeah. in a different way. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, it might be just me or I don't know if I'm cosmic or whatever. No, no, but it's true. Like it feels like forever ago when we're talking about pre-pandemic life, but it's only been not even two years, I think. And, um, And uh, I read somewhere that pandemics usually take five years to kind of like blow over completely. So, but like, it's, it feels like forever ago, but yet, like you said, it feels like it was only yesterday that, and, and it's like, uh, I was talking to a good friend of mine. She's like, it's so funny. It's like, nothing's changed, but everything's changed. Like nothing yeah. is going on, but everything has changed. Everybody has had major change in their life. So It's quite, uh, quite, uh, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. It is. And we can talk about it for hours and have people, uh, you know, tell us our, how, how they've lived through this pandemic. And I say lived like this pandemic was already in the past, which is not, but I think that with the vaccines going out and I mean, just in British Columbia to see the difference, um, with the regulations there, just being in a restaurant with no one wearing masks oh. and everyone being comfortable about it. We were like, wow. Okay. This is a change of scenery here. It, yeah. it's, it's just completely different from what we lived through in the past year and a half. It feels definitely good. Yeah. I mean, Victoria is quite isolated too. Like um, Vancouver Island, I think has not had such an impact, but like I'm, kind of anticipating that too because I'm going down to the games and um lucky I'm, you yeah but I have no idea what the situation is going to be like don't know if people are going to be wearing masks or not or don't know if I'm going to get like mocked or or made fun of if I do wear my mask like a little bit nervous about I think at this point, um, I don't think anyone's going to wear any masks. From what I saw, the content from all these semifinal events and all the other ones as well. But 
I don't think uh, everyone's going to mock you if you wear a mask. <laughs> I really think at this point, like in, in British Columbia, when we were there, I mean, we were sometimes the only ones wearing masks and no one gave a shit. I mean, yeah. people, I think people that don't want to wear masks, they just don't wear them. And people that want to wear them, it's like, just, just do whatever the hell you want, dude. It, it, yeah. it, it's all good. So, uh, oh, man. Well, speaking of the games, I think I'm going to be meeting our next guest. I certainly hope so. I mean, uh, you're going to probably meet a couple of his athletes. I mean, you already work in common yeah. with uh, Joshua Shama, who this week uh, got his confirmation that he's the fittest man in the UK. Yes. So that's, yeah. uh, that, that, that's quite a great accomplishment for a big lad, yes. as they like to say. And yes, I mean, uh, Snorri is a fantastic man, Snorri Baron, uh, Sarah Sigmund's daughter, manager, Joshua Shama as well, uh, Cédric Lapointe, who we well know here, and a couple of others in the, um, in, in the industry. Uh, yeah. What a fantastic chat we had with him a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it's always nice to kind of, it's so, it's so nice to m meet people who are intensely optimistic and positive. Yeah. The conversation with him was inspiring to say the least, but I guess I don't want to go too much into it, but my, what I love the most about speaking with Snorri is the path that he's taken and how yeah. streamlined and how, um, Like when you say go with the flow, like that's what it feels like he did. So it was really good to, to chat and to understand and see his process there. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait for our, uh, our crew here, our people, our friends to uh, get to know Snorri a little up close and personal. I think yeah. we could have done three episodes with the man. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean... As crazy as it sounds, I think the guy has a great future ahead of him. Even though he has already built a successful career, I think that by changing his path a little and going into CrossFit and uh, athlete management, uh, I think there's a bright future coming. And, uh, well, I hope everyone enjoys this chat. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy. It was wonderful. So pardon, uh, pardon my ignorance, but are you in the period of the year with where it's sunny, like 22 hours a day or something? Yeah, it's the high summer. It, it, it's literally sunny 24 hours. Oh, or so, oh, it's wow. bright. And then, then you see the sun clearly in the regular hours or until midnight. And then it's bright, even though it's not sunny, until like four in the morning. How do you adjust your sleep in that in these conditions? I don't. I just don't <laughs> sleep. <laughs> I don't sleep for a month. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty much like that. We hibernate in winter and we are hyperactive in the summertime. That's how Icelanders roll. But the, the oh, way wow. the way I I see you and when I met you as well in, in a couple of sanctionals. You seem to always be hyperactive anyway. Yeah, I think they call it ADHD or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, I, I think I've never 
I mean, of course, sometimes we, we, we see people on social media, you know, and um, we tell sometimes rightfully, sometimes wrongfully that people tend to always put their good side on social media, you know, always be smiling, but to have met you in events and see how you um, take care of your clients or business partners, we're going to chat uh, about that in a while you always seem to be smiling. And I don't think that's ADHD. I think that's just no. your personality. Well, it's, uh, it costs nothing to be nice. And uh, I have found it opens more doors to smile a bit than <laughs> if I would be, have be having a grumpy face all the time. Guess it's the way I am. I, I don't think you can categorize me as the happiest person on earth. I, I, I have my tantrums too, and <laughs> I sometimes crash. And if I smile the whole day, I come home and I don't want to smile anymore and I don't want to talk to anyone. It's, uh, it's just a part of the job, I think. But I guess I'm uh, above average cheerful person. Well, you, you seem to be successful in, uh, in, in the smiling in the relationship industry as well. Um, I'm going to let uh, Michelle with uh, the first official question because we've been recording. for We, we like to record... Uh, cold like this. Yeah. I mean, uh, to, to start a conversation without saying hi and presenting our guest. Uh, I mean, we're going to do that in, in another uh, intro in, mm -hmm. uh, in a few minutes. But um, Michelle, uh, go with I, I know you like or you love to ask that question to all of our guests. Yeah. I, so, so part of the this podcast is about getting to know people a little bit more profoundly. So basically I want to know Snorri, who are you? Where are you from? What's your past? Like, tell us a little bit of a backstory. Um, take as long or as little time as you want, but give us an idea of who you are um, based on your values, your experiences and, and what you're doing now to give the, the listeners an idea of what you're actually doing now. So I, Go for it. Let's hear it. Okay. So I'm uh, a 45-year-old uh, Icelander by core. <clears throat> and uh, I guess I have just uh, very thick Viking blood in my system. I, <laughs> I thrive in the cold. It's, it's seven degrees. I'm sitting outside right now in, in seven degrees Celsius. I, I don't know what that is in, uh, in Fahrenheit. We're in you Celsius. Fahrenheit over there? We're in Celsius. No. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's seven degrees Celsius and I'm, I'm perfectly fine here and I love it. <laughs> so uh, I, can, I can take a lot more of the cold than the hot. So Icelandic, definitely. I'm 100% uh, <laughs> Icelandic. So I had a pretty rough start to the, my, my first 20 years where uh, uh, I started drinking at a very young age and uh, got into all kinds of trouble, but I entered rehabilitation at 19, which has somewhat shaped the rest of my life. I've been clean and sober ever since. So I've been, what, 26 years now? Wow, almost. congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So uh, that, that's like the, the big reason for probably everything I'm doing right now is because of that. I'd, I'd be somewhere in a very different place if I even were alive right now, if I wouldn't have uh, made that decision. Uh, I'm, 
I'm born in the, the capital area of Iceland, but I moved out to the countryside around age six. So I spent a lot of time by myself uh, as, a, as a kid. So and I, I was in boarding school. I, I worked on a farm. Uh, well, worked. It, it's, it's like it used to be an Icelandic thing where kids could go and spend the summers on a farm. And uh, that, that's something that I did, did from probably age eight or nine, like a week or a day at a time. And then it increased as I went, got older. So, but it's fun memories to me. It's, uh, it, it wasn't like a, a children labor. It, it was just <laughs> around the animals and tending to some of the things that, that are done. And, and it's a very customary Icelandic thing to do. And I wouldn't want to change a thing about that. Uh, I moved to San Diego when I was 15 years old. So I, I lived there for almost three years. So coming from like a rural Icelandic countryside, coming from a school where there were 11 kids in my class to a high school in San Diego where there were probably like two or 3,000 students in that school. Um, that was quite a, quite a change, but it opened my eyes. It, it was the best time of my life, even though I was into some bad shit. It, was, uh, it opened my eyes to how small the world really is, how I shouldn't be afraid to think bigger and uh, try to operate on a global scale like I do now. Uh, that, that's what came from hauling out of small Iceland into a big city in America and figuring out that I could thrive just as well there as I could back here. So that, that was like, if I, if I look back, that's where my life changed. Then I entered rehab and my life changed again. And from there, I just had all this energy. So around 20 years old, 95% uh, of my time was free. <laughs> I wasn't doing the stuff I had been doing. So I went into business at a pretty young age. I, I, I was publishing a, a youth magazine for a while. It was like a street magazine, just about culture, music, sports, whatever. And uh, did that for a while. It was like a free magazine. I don't know if you have it over there, but it's in most cities. There is like this free magazine you get at cafes and in schools and stuff like that. Yeah, or we just have it in which Montreal. Which concerts are coming up and all of that. So that was like my first taste of business. And I, I, I somewhat started in a creative thing out of that. We whenever we sold advertisements into the magazine, the, the advertisers asked us if we could do the ads because they wanted them to, to have the look and feel of the magazine. So I somewhat by accident fell into advertising and uh, started an advertising agency, which is something that I'm still doing, even though I have reduced a lot of my duties there because I have... Uh, grown into the the management the athlete management thing but if, if we fast forward to 2015 that's where my career which is the reason we are speaking right now started i had uh, advertising was 
somewhat like a Groundhog Day to me. It was uh, doing the same thing <laughs> over and over again. Do you remember that movie, <laughs> Groundhog Day, where yeah. he woke up yeah. day after day and <laughs> it was always the same day? I was kind of feeling like that. It, I had reached whichever potential I had at that time and I, I just felt this need for something new. Uh, I've been a big sports fan all my life and uh, I started looking into working with people not really as their manager but more like utilizing my skill set as someone creative as someone who could help them build their social media successfully who could spot PR opportunities and help them identify themselves so that they could portray themselves in a more marketable way. And from there, maybe figure out which brands are a perfect fit to their personality. So this is like something that I'm just hugely interested in and have been interested in for a very long time. And way before I started working with athletes, I had been looking at people as brands. I had been looking at their personalities why their personalities resonate with the audience and all of that. So I kind of just wanted to start working on that passion. I hadn't really pinpointed that it would be athletes rather than musicians or politicians or, or whatever it would be that I would end up working with. But, well, sports it was. And that's where I received my opportunities to actually work with people. So... It was in 2015, I started working with a young uh, female fighter, MMA fighter, who had just won the European Championships, and she what was going into, uh, she was signing with a professional organization, and she was just flat broke and uh, utterly lost in how she should, how she could capitalize on her image, so... I was uh, introduced to her by a mutual friend of ours and we just hit it off. I, I got very, uh, I, I felt very clearly that I could have an influence on this. So that's where it started. And I, I think my reputation uh, started growing from there. And uh, then in 2016, I started working with both uh, Sara Simonsdottir and then BKG shortly after. And it was a similar type of thing. There was a, Iceland is such a small country. And there was someone that was a mutual friend of both of us who uh, introduced us. And then with those two on the roster and uh, getting a little taste of CrossFit, it's such, uh, such a new sport. There are so many uh, avenues that haven't been gone down yet. There, there's so much potential for growth still. And... Mm -hmm. So much room for creativity that I just went all in on that. And uh, I, I figured I could actually make a difference there. While in uh, football or in basketball or in any of those big sports, all those tracks have been laid down already. There's, there's no room. There's no wiggle room for someone new coming in. There's, yeah. just a, there's just a tradition of how it's done and no one wants to break it up. While in CrossFit... It's all wide open. And uh, that, that's what I really liked about it. So moving onwards to today, it's uh, working with those two, BKG and Sarah, of course, 
brought some spotlight on me from other athletes who were asking them, it was this guy you're working with. And uh, at this point in time right now, I'm, uh, I'm in one way, shape or form working with like 30 athletes. I do not represent all of them. I do not, uh, I do not post about them all or, or, or identify with them as clients or collaborators. But uh, that's somewhat the scope of it. And for, for one man to be working with, with 30 athletes, that's pretty much all my time <laughs> is now spent on that. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm really happy about it. So that might be one of the reasons for why I smile a lot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you've been speaking for the last minutes and I feel like, I mean, if you need someone to write your own biography, I, I can raise my <laughs> hand. It, it feels uh, very fascinating. Uh, and especially if we go back to your, um, your three years in California, where mm-hmm. it seems like you, you both had the choice of building something amazing and learning about all the world and how big it could be. Well, how small the world is, but how big a career could be. But mm-hmm. also, as you could have probably destroyed all your life at the same time. It's pretty crazy that you had both choices growing at the same time. Because usually we see some phases like people building and then, you know, uh, having a dip or, you know, dealing with um, um, struggling with dependence and all that stuff. And you, you just snapped out of it very early in your life and it, it, it just skyrocketed your career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it set me on a path to uh, to realize that there was more to this, and uh, to to get something handed to you at age nineteen that where uh, where you're handed like a second opportunity, you're handed an an eraser. You can just erase the mistakes you did because you were so young and you were you were stupid, and uh, you you can make mistakes when you're stupid, uh, when you're young. I mean, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> also when you're stupid yeah so both. <laughs> it, it's like i was handed an, an opportunity to give it another go to try a different method so and and i embraced it and i realized pretty soon like six months into sobriety i already had too much to lose so i i didn't want to go back to the old ways and even though you can never make that decision completely. It's with every day that passes, it becomes less likely that I will ever go back to those ways. And right now, 26 years later, I, I, I don't even remember how it was. I, the, 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 the whole life I remember is sober. Mm. So there's something that you said, Snorri, that's really interesting to me, is that you spend a lot of time alone when you were young. Mm-hmm. And today there i have two questions in this question basically so first of all obviously taking the decision to get into rehab is difficult one to make on your own one was there were there people in your life that helped you make that decision i'll ask my second question after yeah of course there were and uh, i i was up against the wall uh, towards my family and uh, it, it was it was the only move I could make at the time. It wasn't really that I was that much sold on the idea of ever becoming sober. It was more that, 
okay, I'll go to this uh, damn rehab if the if it means that you get off my back. If you get off my case about it, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll do it. So it, it was more okay. like that. But then inside the rehab, uh, there was like something that started to change. And I, I became, became much more positive about it during that process. It was like a month and a half of, uh, uh, it was a month and a half process total where I was outside of uh, society. I was just in this rehab process. And uh, a lot happened in that month and a half that uh, mm -hmm. still benefits me to this day. Of course. And, and again, with regards to the fact that you were alone a lot when you were young, and then today you seem to have a, a, a talent for working with people. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess my question is like, what is it that you think impacted the, your ability to, to work with people and to have such positive influence with people? It's something that even though I was alone a lot as a kid, I always had a pretty good way of getting to know people and fitting into situations. And especially when I moved from Iceland to California, I wasn't in the slightest afraid that I would not make new friends and fit in. I was, uh, it never even crossed my mind. I've, I've always believed that I can fit in and uh, adapt myself to a situation and, and uh, meet people and be able to communicate. So I guess that's just something in my genes or, or whatever. I, I've, I've never struggled with that. That's awesome. Cause I like personally, I've done a lot of work on myself to kind of have influence on people and communicate with people because that's where I struggle. And it's just amazing how some people like you have such a natural ability to, like you said, the word is influence and, and um, have influence in a field. Like working with people is a lot harder than, than mm -hmm. for some it's easy, but it's difficult. And working with athletes, I mean, I'm a coach, working with athletes can be some of the most amazing moments in your life and some of the most difficult, you know? Yeah, tell me about so. it. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot of patience and it takes a lot of, uh, uh, sometimes that I'm struggling to find the words for it, but sometimes I 100% disagree, but I still go along with it if it's the athlete's will and if the athlete has put up the logic and justifications for why they want to do this. And that, that can sometimes be hard. But the, the, the roller coaster of emotions from working with an athlete, no, nothing and no one prepared me for that. And I, I, had, never, uh, I had never ever uh, even thought that through, that when things go bad, it, it hurts me just as much as them, or may, maybe that's unfair to say, it hurts them more, but it definitely hurts me too. When, when, uh, when, when things don't go the way they should, when, when there's an unfair situation, or when there's just an off day where the performance was horrible, but, and uh, they didn't reach the goal they were setting out to reach. And then there can be multiple other situations in their lives that have nothing to do with their sport that can really be demanding. So all those, all, all those feelings and dealing with all those feelings and trying to stay 
positive and solid, that's kind of the hardest part of the job, if you ask me. Do you, do both of you actually, it's a question for Michelle and Snorri, do both of you draw some kind of boundary, some kind of limit to where, I mean, you, you, you can't, you know, you can't help further the athlete on any bad day or something. If it's something non related to sport, I mean, you want to be there for this person. Uh, and I'm, I'm probably referring a little to the movie, Jerry Maguire. If you both mm -hmm. saw it, I mean, Definitely. you see Tom Cruise, that is a super successful agent. And then goes to the bottom with one athlete and goes back up. But there's, there's, There doesn't seem to be a limit with what he does with his athlete and all that stuff. So do both of you uh, feel the necessity for the well-being of the athlete for, for its career, his or her career, um, to, to have this? I'm not entirely sure if, uh, if I'm the way I work is the standard procedure. Uh, it's, <laughs> I, I, it's, uh, I never received a manual for, for management. I, I just somewhat fell into it. I, I didn't have a mentor. I, I haven't even looked at how others do it, but it, I build it very much up as a friendship. And when it's a friendship, when, when this, when it has reached the point where, The athlete, I, I can feel that there is complete trust. I know what's happening in, in their life outside of the sport, as well as whatever is happening in it. Then boundaries are kind of hard to, uh, to, to place, other than I always stick true to my beliefs. And I try to remind them that if I'm being asked a question I do not have the answer for, I'll just, I'll just say it. I'll just say, this is... I'm no expert in this. I might have an opinion on it, but it's, uh, yeah. it's not something you could take seriously coming from me because I'm no expert on it. So I just try to keep it as honest as possible and leave my ego out of it and be real about it. That I, there are some things that I don't have a clue how to do. And there are some mm -hmm. answers that I don't, cannot give. So, mm -hmm. and then I'm just honest about it. Yeah. I think that's right. I think Snorri has got, has got it right. It's about creating trust with athletes, creating um, channels of honesty and being fair with the athletes. And then creating relationship is probably the, and this is true for any role in, in the world, whether it's boss and employee, coach, athletes, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever. Everyone has a need to kind of feel important and everyone has a role to make the other feel important in the, in the case of athletes um, we're talking about people with particular egos, particular goals, ambitions, insecurities. And so creating relationships with those people, you have to accept that you're going to get hurt because your goal is to make them better. Um, so you, there's a, there's a certain personal sacrifice when we're talking about that kind of relationship that comes with it. And, and quite obviously th there comes a time where you need to realize that, and this is like this for a lot of people, you need to realize that in order to take care of others, you have to take care of yourselves. So the, the, the line that you'll 
put in a relationship will depend on how you feel that you need to preserve yourself. I'm very lucky and Snorri, I mean, I think one of the athletes, you have two athletes with you in person, right? You have BKG and, and Sarah. Well, they're my, my old, my fellow countrymen. So uh, they live close to me. So they're, they're, I meet them multiple times a month, but then I have athletes or, or work with athletes, uh, quite a few in Canada, actually, and uh, in the U.S., um, in many different places in Europe. So it's, yeah. uh, it's all a natural and, barrier, right? Yeah, there is. But Zoom and COVID kind of changed the game. It, it made everyone so technically uh, efficient with, like what we're doing right here, recording a podcast uh, through, through Zoom. It's communication became more natural through the screen than it used to be because of it. So mm -hmm. I feel in a way I, I have improved my relationship with a lot of the athletes that are not in the same place because everyone has uh, taken to this technology as a, a a decent substitute for being in the same place at the same time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're working with uh, people in Canada. I, I think we can say from your social media, uh, mm -hmm. Cedric Lapointe, mm -hmm. uh, Emily Rolf, if I'm not mistaken. Emily Rolf, yes. And Emma Lawson, the, the teen sensation yeah. who is bursting onto the scene right now. Three, three amazing athletes, uh, I mean, Cedric has been around for a while. And I, I, I mean, he's going to compete. Probably when we release the podcast, the Atlas Games will be uh, a thing of the past. But I mean, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think he's finally going to make it this weekend. And I really, really yes. hope he does because he's been one of the hardest worker all around in the past years. The kid, I, mean, I think he's been doing that since he's 16 or something. So it's pretty, pretty yes. interesting. It was actually you who introduced him to me. So, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, or I had met him, but but you connected us uh, at Filthy One Fifty, I think. Oh my wasn't god, it? wasn't See, it you know. who connected us? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I remember yeah. that, but I didn't know. I didn't know I was the 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 instigator of. Uh, yeah. it, it's pretty cool. I mean, I, you I'm definitely making... were, and <laughs> I, because I had met him backstage but then we were speaking and uh i think i indicated that i was interested in in uh, not knowing more about him and i you offered to to connect us oh. so uh, Always. if i remember correctly it, a -A there, there have been a lot of competitions and a lot of conversations since then since then but i think i remember it like this yeah, uh, it's exactly anyways, it yeah, yeah he's yeah. a great guy and uh it's been a real joy working with him. And as you said, it could be his breakout season right now because he has made those extra sacrifices that he needed to make. He, he moved down to Atlanta. He's living with his coach. He's doing full-time training in a very positive environment where he gets to test himself against some of the best ones in the sport every day. And it's, pushing him to the level that, that he understands the level he needs to operate at better. And mm -hmm. now going into the West Coast Classic, of course, it's a very strong field. It's, uh, it's, 
when I, by the looks on paper, it might even be the strongest male field out of all those uh, competitions. So he's up against it, but he's got some level of confidence in himself that might actually be, he knows he has what it takes. He believes he has what it takes. So he can knuckle down and dig deeper because he knows what he needs to do. So yeah. I'm looking very much forward to see what happens this weekend. I've, I've seen a lot of athletes on the competition floor. I mean, by traveling worldwide, doing sanctionals, I mean, and even at the games. And I think I saw very few athletes that, are, that were able to, deep, to dig so deep in that, that you know, oh, so famous dark zone. I mean, he goes mm -hmm. in there, you see, you almost see his eyes, his eyes closing during a workout because he keeps the intensity so high all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, fantastic guy. And funny enough, I just thought that, you know, I connected you with Cedric and mm -hmm. I connected Michelle to one of her athletes that is also one of your guys. And that's <laughs> Joshua. Joshua Shama. <laughs> yeah. And, What a fantastic yeah. guy. I met him in, yeah. in London. Uh, no, actually in Ireland at Filthy 150. And then he competed an individual at Strength and Depth in London. And I, I, I don't know. There, there was this kind of energy when he was on the floor and the way he was interacting with his own crowd. This guy is also a fantastic athlete. It's going into uh, the last chance qualifier this year. And I really, really hope he makes it because he, mm. he was a genuine super positive guy that's how i know him actually but probably both of you can talk more about him yeah joshua i i just recently started working with him i i had known of him for a while and uh i've been following his progress uh, for quite a while it looks like michelle you're bringing the absolute best out of that guy he is uh oh, he good. Has, he's improved <laughs> so much and uh, it shows this season that he's had some fantastic performances this season and he's doing mm -hmm. it with a smile on his face and he is he's believing in it and he is enjoying it so uh, mm -hmm. I, I can't wait to see how far he will go uh, because there's plenty of room still to improve oh yeah I think so um, Josh is really fun to work with he listens He listens, but he listens actively, like he asks questions and, but he, he expresses always full faith. And um, yeah, he, he's really fun to work with. He's so determined. I mean, like rarely do you see, I like, I learn from my athletes all the time. Like I was an athlete for many years and um, I had my values and the way I did things. And I don't know if I would have done things differently, but Josh showed me that you can be a normal and balanced human being, but still make some big decisions towards having a very ambitious goal. I mean, he, he moved from, I mean, obviously he has visa things going on in the US, so he had to get out. But during the pandemic, he was in, in the UK. And when he realized that he couldn't get the right training in, he just made sure that he could and went to Dubai to do that. And, So he really uses his resources really well. And he's very, he's a doer, you know, mm -hmm. it's great working with people who are doers. Like there are thinkers, there are, there are people who, who enjoy thinking and processing. There are people who enjoy, you know, um, 
uh, like doing and there are people who, who will maybe find excuses or, or say that they have their values in a certain place, but not do it. And so mm -hmm. he's the kind of guy that really walks the walk and talks the talk. So it's, it's always really fun working with people like that. Yeah, I agree. I, I have all the belief in the world in that guy and, uh, yeah. Getting to know him slowly but surely. It's only been a few months, but he impresses me every time uh, we speak. Yeah. And he backs yeah. it up. He he goes and he gives his absolute best. And he yeah. he secured that last chance qualifier spot. And I have a good feeling about it. I, I, it mm -hmm. will just fuel his fire and he will do whatever he needs to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Completely different topic, uh, Snorri, but... Uh, <laughs> You probably don't know that about me, but we both come from the advertising industry. I've been okay, working in this okay. industry for 10 years. So when you're talking about this Groundhog Day, I really know what you mean there. I mean, people get excited about this industry, which is an exciting one, but they're all, oh, there's, there's going to be so much different projects and all that stuff. But it, it, it's, it's always the same thing day after day, which is a fantastic school in business, mm -hmm. I believe. Uh, a relationship school as well, if I might say. But uh, yes, I, I think it, it's a fantastic place to transfer you somewhere else. Um, if we define moments in your career uh, that defines you to where you are today, I mean, we spoke about your California. Uh, we mm -hmm. also spoke, spoke about this MMA athlete uh, you who I mean, brought you into the management world. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other major moments in your life? It, it may be professional or personal, but. I was thinking about this, uh, maybe not exactly in this context, but there are moments definitely in my career where I have pinched myself and, okay, I reached that point now. It's, uh, Is that the Coca-Cola? Uh, yeah, it, like the Coca-Cola 2018 I mean, that's originally my idea. It's uh, to use this, this beat, this Viking clap beat, which the Icelandic football team made world famous, uh, to have it as the platform for an ad campaign where the beat is created with various different motions, which is the theme of the, 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 this campaign. And then we just managed to make it bigger. But what really, really defines it is that the director of the commercial is the goalkeeper of the national team. That, that has never happened. Really? Year. Yes. So the history of this project, it, it was already a huge hit in Iceland. But then three days after we premiered it, Iceland played the first game at the World Cup for the first time Iceland ever played at the World Cup. And he saved the penalty from Lionel Messi, which is uh, wow. quite the coup. And th that's his career highlight. But this commercial, <laughs> it just uh, it skyrocketed all over the world. It was being shared wherever. It was being covered by Rolling Stone magazine, by CNN, by various media in different places. Even in China, he became a superstar in China, the, the goalkeeper. And the stories they were writing about him were, this is the guy who saved the penalty from Messi, and this is the Coca-Cola campaign that he directed. <laughs> so it, was, it, it, it went in the tens of millions of views just in the space of uh, a few days. 
So that's definitely the, the highlight of my career. It was before he saved that goal, this campaign was the highlight of my career because it meant something. We, we grabbed a moment where uh, the whole of the Icelandic nation was behind it. And when we screened it, it was, I don't even remember the percentage, but it was like on Facebook, there were three or 4% of the nation, of the whole population of Iceland shared it on their Facebook wall. Wow. That doesn't happen, you know. <laughs> you, you don't get in percentages like this uh, unless it's special. So, yeah, that, that ad campaign, the, we worked so hard at it. We, we needed to jump through so many hooks for it to happen. And I had to fly out uh, to, to get it approved within the Coca-Cola system. You just don't... You don't just go and make a Coca-Cola advertisement. It's, uh, <laughs> there are so many layers of approvals and there are so many people on those layers who don't really understand the passion you have, don't really resonate with the idea, don't really think Iceland is all that special that they should get the approval to make a whole World Cup campaign. So it was a lot of work. And when it all came together and when we saw the final edit, and it was just so beautiful and uh, it was so much what we hoped it would be. That's where I said to myself, okay, that's it. I'm out of this fucking business. It's uh, I will never be able to top this. It, wow. Never, ever. I need a new challenge now. So it's, wow. uh, uh, it's definitely the moment in now in later days that made all the difference to where I'm headed right now. Mm. What interest with like Snorri, you're talking and it's just it amazes me at how creative you are. <laughs> like, I don't think people realize how important in the sporting industry, how important creativity is. And mm-hmm. and uh, I just want to first of all commend you on it, but how much do you feel like your creativity is responsible for your process? How much is it creativity so much- and and pragmatism and practical and like, like I'm very curious about that. Yes, I, I think uh, creativity definitely has opened a lot of doors. And when, especially when I'm working with people who are creative themselves, like Sara, for example, who has a, she's got a wicked mind. People, people don't realize how intelligent and how, in, how, how creative Sara Sigmundsdottir is in fact. So we sometimes spitball stuff off of each other and then it ends up on her social media. So working with Sarah is like somewhat being the creative director in her life, (laughs) just as much (laughs) as being her manager, because uh, together we have been able to build something out of her image. She, of course, comes in as this charismatic, beautiful, uh, amazing athlete, but then we managed to tap into other areas that are also a huge part of her skill to create her social media, which is a direct, uh, it's, it's directly from her. It's, it's her personality. There's nothing being faked or, or, uh, or made so that she isn't authentically herself there, but she didn't have all those ideas for how to do it herself originally. So uh, 
in terms of creativity, being able to talk to people, to make them understand the possibilities that they have outside of being athletes, that's definitely a, a big part of uh, the job I am doing. It's definitely a big part of why I originally started doing it. And it's proving to be quite successful. It also helps when we're working with the sponsors that there, there is input from us. We bring, uh, me and the athletes I'm working with, we sometimes bring to them beforehand, hey, why don't we do this? Instead of just waiting for instructions from, from the sponsors. And I know that's very much appreciated by them. Snorri, I, I think you are now also working with, um, and, and it, it just crossed my mind when you talked about this Coca-Cola campaign that was the pinnacle of your advertising chapter in your career. And now you're working with athletes, successfully so. And uh, I think you started also working with a uh, strongman athlete, um, mm -hmm. one of the best in the world um, right now. Do, do you see as a growing business now and what, I mean, I, I think it started as something out of passion for you and now growing mm -hmm. more and more as a big business because you're successful mm -hmm. at it. Um, what are you, do, do you, do you set some goals for yourself now? Yeah. So strategically, uh, I started Once I was, once one foot was in CrossFit, I realized there is a big potential here. So I can make things happen here and I should focus on CrossFit because getting into a new sport takes time. Getting to know the people there, getting to understand the ecosystem and, and all of that, it just takes a lot of time. And with CrossFit right now, I know pretty much everyone there or have links to pretty much everyone there. So be it all those sanctional directors, be it the key people at HQ, uh, most of the coaches, many of the athletes, the media around, I, I have links to all of this and I can look at CrossFit and I, I feel, okay, I understand how this works. Uh, while I was gaining this experience, I didn't want to branch out of it into anything else. I just wanted to fully focus on this. But then I started thinking recently because uh, I've been marketing myself quite, quite a bit. I've been doing podcasts. I've been uh, doing interviews and stuff like that. So I've been bringing a bit of spotlight from athletes to me. So Uh, I've been reached out to by athletes outside of uh, CrossFit. So I started thinking there might be other sports that are synonymous, that have a similar palette of sponsorship opportunities where I could even be speaking to, let's say, Rogue, for example. I can speak to Rogue about an Olympic lifter. I can speak to them about a CrossFitter. I can definitely speak to them about a strongman competitor Absolutely. and a power lifter. So it's like in this group within training, within strength and conditioning sports, I think uh, now is the time where I make moves to athletes that are in the other sports that fit with that. So I started working with a strongman competitor, but actually he's someone I've known for a long time. And uh, 
he, he's just been uh, on a gradual rise. Now he's competing at the world's strongest man. He's actually competing today. And uh, he is, if he does well today, he will progress to the finals, which is a, a huge, uh, a really huge achievement for someone mm -hmm. at, so young as he is. So he is like, uh, it's only his second time at the world's strongest man. Some, some go there 20 years in a row. So hey, he is, uh, it, you, you can be 50 years old and kicking ass in a strongman competition yeah so it's uh i never understood that i never got that <laughs> strongmen are the are the athletes that should be like they should be dying at 50 because they're like just <laughs> constantly loading and yet they they compete until they're so old like it, it's gf caron how old is gf caron uh jf is uh mid 40s I believe. Yeah, exactly. And he's <laughs> yeah. still like he's still like one of the strongest men, right? Mm -hmm. And he's and speaking. He's speaking. I had an interview with him last year. He's still besting every single numbers every year. Mm -hmm. So unrelated to our conversation, but in strongmen, uh, I just like I don't know. Have you noticed, Snorri, that strongmen is starting to look a little bit like CrossFit? They have definitely added to like uh, more complex programming, and they have added things into there where uh, where where the, where the sport is mixed up with with, uh, with events that yeah it there might be something synonymous with it, but there's no strongman going to row a whole marathon or anything no 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 but it feels like that's for sure well, mind you isn't brian one of the guys that has a record in rowing brian mm -hmm. the the american strongman brian shaw and yeah it, yeah he has like a rat war, rowing yeah. record the guy is like okay. seven foot six and is like 400 pounds of course he, yeah. but, he has two strokes uh, and he's at 500 meters not surprised yeah, yeah. He, so i've 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 always really liked watching strongman competitions but i had noticed that that uh, i felt like some of their circuits and 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 um challenges were basically more varied than they used to be and that's what mm -hmm. i mean by it's like more crossfit because they it it seems like they have events that are traditional they have the traditional strongman events and then they'll have events that are like um you have to do this and then you have to do this and it just exactly. it feels a little bit more like a crossfit style kind of event whereas the traditional ones are like they're fun to watch like one of my favorite events to watch is the 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 toss when mm -hmm. they toss up overhead. Yeah, that's I don't crazy. think people appreciate how hard that is. Yeah. And they're tossing uh, five meters up in the air or something. It's like uh, it's ridiculous. crazy. Of a, of a heavy object, like a beer keg or whatever they're throwing <laughs> over the head. Yeah. It's insane. I mean, it must be exciting for you as an agent to kind of branch out into these sports yeah. because you get exposed to different things and then, and then you must relay that to your athletes. Like... I like uh, I jumped into Ironman training just for fun and I realized how doing that kind of training it made my coaching and my programming so much better so I can only mm -hmm. imagine like you having a strongman athlete and seeing things and say hey have you ever thought of doing this Sarah in your training because exactly. this seems like it could be something that Roe can come up with and blah 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 you know exactly and uh that's one part of uh 
why I'm really excited about it. It's there. There are some uh, synonymous things there, and there there is there are things that I can pick up. And also, when the athletes, because I try to introduce the athletes I'm working with to one another, so that they can benefit of each other as well. So I'm just looking forward to see where that leads. Strongman, of course, is something that. I've been interested in since I was a little kid and uh, Iceland has this history of strongman. We, we've had, I don't know how many times an Icelander has won this competition. So yep. it's, it's like uh, before CrossFit became somewhat the national sport of Iceland, it was strongman. And uh, that, that's what I was raised as. I was looking up to those guys as uh, like the, the prime example of how to be. So I wanted to be like those guys when I was a kid. Didn't work out that way, but I guess I can bench pretty much com compared to many others, but uh, <laughs> nothing like these guys though. Yeah, you just told my next question. I was going to yeah. ask, can you bench press more than these guys? Cause, uh... <laughs> no, I, I certainly cannot. <laughs> I, I can maybe, no, no, I, I can deadlift around as much as they can bench press. Oh so, I think God. it's like that. You guys are monsters. And I, I mean, athletically, and also I think I can speak for Michelle and everyone else in the world. Iceland seems to be a society that everyone should be uh, following the guidelines. I mean, when you see <laughs> athletically what Icelanders can achieve even though it's a super small country whether it's crossfit strongman you said it's soccer the world cup we saw it um and in many many other sports and also i mean in a society i think you guys had uh i mean um women's uh, equality on on salary years mm -hmm. and years and years ago and also I mean, the, the bankers and the financial crisis were all put up to jail when uh, this happened. And I mean, I think you guys have, a, like I said, a society that's some kind of worldwide model. But mm -hmm. do you face any challenges as a society in Iceland? Yes, we certainly do. And uh, from the outside looking in, it's more a prime example than it actually is. And uh, th th there are definitely multiple challenges over here, but on the sports side of things, uh, there is so much encouragement. And yeah. I think it stems also from when one person had success, it inspired all the others. And uh, we, we generally are told that there's nothing that we cannot do if we put our minds to it. We, we aren't put in a box and told, just stay within this box. Don't go out of this box. We're told to be unafraid to try things out and to reach our potential. So that's something that I think is a prime example of why Icelanders have reached pretty far in music, in sports, in uh, many different segments of uh, of what people can be doing, then as you, as you rightfully pointed out, uh, equality has been a big thing. It didn't come naturally. It was a fight that was just fought successfully. And uh, it's, 
we had the first female president in uh, world history, for example. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, of course, breeds confidence to all the young girls coming up. Then we just have so many female role models that are awesome. And uh, I'm working with some of them. So it's, uh, (laughs) exactly. Sarah is a prime example of someone who just unleashed her talent because no one told her she couldn't. No one said you cannot do that. And uh, that way she was unafraid to go and go after it and be proud of doing it. And right now she's, she's one of the biggest stars over here, obviously. And it is uh, especially for all the inspiration she gives to, to younger girls who, who look up to her and uh, send her messages and, and ask to be able to speak to her. She gets so many messages from, from mothers and from little girls and she tends to it. She really gives it the time of day. She realizes that this is where she can have a positive impact and she does it. So those are things that are really well intact here, but due to the small population, there, there are all kinds of fluctuations in the economy over here. There is all kinds of capitalism persisting and uh, people taking advantage of their position, just like in many other places in the world. Absolutely, but, yeah. so, so we definitely have those. And the, 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 the range between being poor and rich, is, the gap is becoming bigger. And it, it's becoming more of a pro- problem than it used to be. So uh, if it keeps on evolving the way it is, we might find ourselves in, in deep trouble one day. But uh, hopefully that will be unwound before that happens. I have a question. Now, we talked about your past. We talked about your, your, your present. But... I want to know what Snorri does for fun. Like, what are your pastimes? <laughs> what do you, what do you do when you're trying to keep your mind up? Things. I saw that you were jumping on a trampoline the yeah. other day. Here's my jacuzzi. So, yeah, for fun. Actually, I find myself in a position where I'm doing work that inspires me. That it, and. I'm working with people that inspire me and that I enjoy being around. So my work somewhat is what I would be enjoying to be doing on my extra time anyways. And now that the world is about to open again with all the travel to come to competitions and all of that. So I'm living the life. I'm, I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing. And uh, if I'm tired, I, I take a day off and if I'm energized, I work for 24 hours. So I have a lot of, a uh, lot of control over uh, my own timeline and uh, the things that are happening. But aside from that, uh, I play guitar. So it's, uh, I, I, I sometimes uh, find myself in a situation where I just have to have a guitar. I just have to, sit down and play the guitar. And uh, that's one thing I do. I've been training quite a lot. I do uh, like a modified powerlifting training and it, it, 
really uh, that that really keeps me in good check. I thoroughly enjoy that. So then I have family. <laughs> Let's not forget that. And then I've got three <laughs> boys and a wife. So <laughs> so we do a lot of stuff together as well. So it's uh, I'm I'm in no danger of becoming bored or uh, complacent. I think. Seems seems like super passionate, and yeah, and it's funny how you're saying that you're playing the guitar to relax, as if you're, I don't know, playing some kind of folk or Icelandic melodic something. And <laughs> I mean, well, for the people not. listening, he's, <laughs> he's shredding metal. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> I'm not surprised about that. <laughs> um, so, what are the goals now? No, yeah, go goals? ahead. Go ahead, Michelle. Well, I'm sort of just looking at what will happen when the world opens again. What what's uh, into what mold will things go when travel has become free again and uh, life has gotten back to normal? So, I think I'll be setting some goals then. Uh, but until then, it's I'm just slowly, gradually growing the roster of athletes that I'm collaborating with. I am branching into other sports, even though I feel that CrossFit will be the primary, will remain the primary sport. But I'll be open to working with one or two more strongmen. Uh, there is an Olympic lifter who I have I've started working with already, and we're in the early stages of that. So... There are things that I will, I am willing to put in some effort to get into that, that sport and get into that ecosystem to understand just the mechanics of how I can operate in there. So while that's happening, it's just steady, slow growth until I feel like, okay, I have everything right now that I want to have. And now I'm going to try to maximize it and capitalize on it. And I'm still just learning the tricks. Seems like you're learning very fast, uh, Snorri, and uh, <laughs> very, uh, like I said, very rightfully. I mean, this this chat was amazing. It's uh, it, it's so inspiring to see you go, to see how you impact people around you positively. I, I've never seen anyone say saying, you know, Snorri is an intimidating guy or whatever. Everyone's so happy to... <laughs> To, to meet I can't you. be though if you're on the wrong side of me <laughs> yeah I mean uh, not gonna lie the first time I saw you uh, I mean at the breakfast uh, the breakfast buffet in Ireland at the hotel I was like who the hell is this guy I mean uh, <laughs> uh, he, quite quite intimidating but as soon as I saw you smile I remember you were uh, you, you were sitting down with uh, Justin Lofranco from the morning chalk up and um, mm -hmm. And then we, we met the three of us there. And uh, I mean, as, so, as soon as you said hi, I was like, okay, this guy is just a, just like a super smiling teddy bear or something. He's, uh, <laughs> he's very, uh, a, a very happy kind of guy. Um, thank you for taking the time, Snorri. Thank, thank you also for being who you are uh, and, and for giving us this kind of scope on your life. I, I, I think the people listening are, are going to learn and uh, also had a had a good hour of their day listening to it 
Well, thank you so much for having me and great finally meeting you, Michelle. So yes. uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So uh, anytime, if you, <laughs> if you want some more out of me, then uh, just holler at me. Oh, we will. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you, Snorri. Hey, have a great day, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye-bye.